All right. Tonight, we will be utilizing Long Gospel. So this will be a part of that series. We will be partaking of the Lord's Supper, and we will be looking at the passage that pretty much gives us the teaching on the Lord's Supper. So all of that will be happening. But one of the major things that's about to take place Everybody loves this, as I'm going to basically have to apologize and correct, I think, some of the teaching that I have done on the Lord's Supper. And here, I know, it happens a lot here, I know. But uh, I, so, but before we do this and I start trying to correct this and we work through this um, and try to understand this from a law and gospel perspective, I, I think it's important to realize this. Because I think this happens a lot, and I, and I had not really thought about this until I started discussing and kind of trying to work through the concept of identity, which is talked about a lot in our culture. Um, everyone has an identity, and they want everyone to know that identity, right? Whatever it may be. They want everyone to know that, hey, th- uh, that whatever the subject is, it can be a political affiliation, it can be someone's sexual preference, it can be whatever the case may be. They want to be identified by that and they want the whole world to know that that's their identity and they want everyone to respect and accept said identity. And any, any, anything that's even perceived as a disagreement or a challenge to it, right? So like, in other words, this is the thing they identify as. You're, you challenge it or you question that thing because they identify with that, they perceive that then as a direct attack upon what? Themselves, because that is their identity. And sometimes we forget that because we will just simply go after, we're, we're talking the concept and they're saying, no, you're speaking of me. And I'm like, no, you're not involved in this. We're dealing with the concept. Well, Christianity is very similar to that, Right? Christians hold to, that's our identity. That's like, that may be like, we, we, we are Christian, but not just Christian, we hold to certain beliefs. And Christians sometimes don't do well when that belief or that idea, or that doctrine or that theology is challenged because it almost feels like a personal attack of whom? Them, because they are connecting the doctrine and the theology with them. And you know my approach is, I don't understand any of that, Right? Because I don't understand, I, the whole identity thing just blows my mind because why do you want to be identified as anything? I don't want to be identified with anything or by anything. I want to be outside of that. And you know my, and it's just my natural way of thinking that if I'm, if I'm around a bunch of people who are from Texas, I'm going to probably say and do things that challenges or questions Texas. If I'm with a bunch of people who are not from Texas, I will probably say things that are that will promote Texas, right? Just because I, I'm always challenging the group because I don't want, I, I, I just always want to throw it out. So a lot of times people are perplexed or confused. Well, does he think this way or does he think this way? Well, it depends on who's asking on what I may say at a particular time because I don't want to be identified as any one thing. I hate that. I don't like, don't put me in a box. Don't try to, I don't, I can't stand that. So you know how I work within Christianity, Right? If I'm within Christianity, what am I going to do? Be questioning it and challenging it. Now, if I'm with a bunch of atheists, I maybe sound like I'm supporting Christianity, but if I was around, or to get around the Christians, which then Christians are like, so does he hate Christianity? What's his pro-? Nobody can ever figure anything out. But because I have this kind of almost abhorrence to anything related to quote-unquote identity, then I, I tend... 
I, for me, I don't care. Like, I don't care about, like, a theological system. Like, I'm not a, my identity is not, oh, I'm reformed. Or my identity is not, I'm amil, premil. I don't care about that. Like, I may say, this is what I believe and I think is true, but I'm, it's not my identity. So what can I do with the belief? I can throw it aside in 3.2 seconds without any problem. doesn't bother me. I can care. And everybody else is like, what are you doing? What's happened? What's going on? You used to teach that. What's wrong with you? And I'm like, calm down. Why are you so upset about it, right? But because they hold on to that, they perceive it as an attack upon whom? Them. Right? And it's like, it's not about you. It's never been about you. It's never been about me. My belief in something is, does everyone understand? Our belief in something or our adherence to a theological system, you know what that means? Absolutely nothing. Does your belief to a theological system make it true? Does your rejection of it make it false? And what does it say? It doesn't say anything about you. I don't know why we want to, we want to be like, Christianity is very much like about our team and our colors and you, you say what everyone wants you to say and do. And I don't care about that. That's probably why we got kicked off Christian radio because I don't care about that. I don't care about your team. I'm just trying to figure out what the truth is and what the truth is today. And you know how my approach is when I study it tomorrow. What, what mattered? What, what significance does the truth I held on to yesterday have when I study it today? None. Because I, it's not my identity. So if I, if I find, I'm like, whoop, man, I was wrong. You know what that means to me? Not a thing. Who cares? That wasn't who I am. In fact, for a Christian, this is very important. As a Christian, what, what should be our identity? Okay, someone said God. Our identity, we're in Christ. He is our identity, not our theology. Not our doctrine. Now, there is a theology and doctrine associated with who Christ is, obviously. But I'm saying that sometimes we get, we, we are associated by a system or an idea or a belief and any, any even questioning. And that's why a lot of times you'll hear the discussion of identity politics, right? Their identity, our identity, it's us against them. And then as soon as someone says something, we rise up and everyone attacks one another and tries to destroy one another. Because it's not the, nobody can talk about the concept because they take it personally. For me, I don't understand the problem. The concept is here, right? The concept, I'll set it up here on the piano. There's the concept. You call, you call that into question, you say I'm wrong, you say I'm stupid. It has nothing to do with me. Right? I'm not the theology. I'm not the doctrine. So say whatever you want about me. It, it's not going to, like, the issue is that. But we, we so internalize it that it, everyone loses their mind. Right? But because I'm that way, that makes it dangerous though, Right? It's going to make it dangerous for you guys because you're like, oh boy, it's a Sunday. What's going to happen this Sunday? Okay? Or as <laughs> Diane will say, so what do we believe this week? Hey, and I, I don't want it to be that bad, but I look, I, you know what I will say? I don't know what we believe this week until we're done with what? The sermon. And he said, well, what does that mean for next week? We don't know yet. We don't know yet because every week when I study, what can happen? 
My, I can change my perspective because I, how, how much emotional attachment do I have to it? None. I have no connection to it. What's, it's irrelevant. I can take whatever I believe today, throw it in the trash tomorrow, and I'm like, I don't go, I don't know what to do. I'm going to fall. I'm looking at, what's your problem? Like, yeah, like you confuse me. Well, I don't confuse you. It's not me. Don't blame me. I'm trying to figure, if, if it was so simple, wouldn't we have agreement after 2,000 years? So why do you get upset? The problem is, I'm more concerned about the people who never seem to change. That's how come Christians who knew me 15 years ago, when, when, it, when they meet me or talk to me 5 or 10 years later, usually it, the, it falls apart. Like people who knew me in Nebraska, years later when I was here, who would talk to me on social media, would be like, like our, our, the relationships just ended because they're like, what happened to him? What do you mean what happened to me? What happened to you? You think we're the same people who lived in Nebraska in the 90s. That person should have died. How can you still think the same way? What's wrong with you? You're like, well, you gave me the team. I stayed on the team. Well, the problem is I never was on your team. My team is what? Trying to find truth. Correct? So I have no problem going, hmm. We got to rethink. We got to rethink First Corinthians chapter eleven. And why do we have to rethink First Corinthians chapter eleven? Well, first it deals with the Lord's Supper, so that's important, correct? Secondly, we have to, we what have we been studying now for a very long time? Law and gospel. How could law and gospel impact our understanding of the Lord's Supper? Does everyone think it could have a profound impact on that? Okay. Emma says, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that, I think, obviously, if it didn't, I wouldn't be sitting here talking about this, correct? So it's a dead giveaway, right? I wouldn't be talking about this. Okay. Yeah, it was a, that was an awful long setup to go, it has nothing to do with it. Never mind. Okay. All right. No. All right. So obviously, it has something to do with it. Okay. So we're going to work through this. I'm not going to tell you the why, the how come, the what. We're just going to work through this like it's the first time going through it. And then at the conclusion, we'll partake in the Lord's Supper. Does that, does that sound like a good idea? All right. Now, because now this is one of those situations where people, people won't be here. And then three weeks, four weeks, a month later, two months later, they'll hear something. And go, wait, what happened? What happened? Well, what happened is we talked about it, I don't know, in November. And so it's why people can't miss anything we do, right? That, that's the one reason you can't miss a sermon here because you you got to keep up with where we what are we today what are we today or as Stacy used to say so what are we today are we still Christian today are we Buddhist what are we today I don't know what we are today I'm like well figure it out okay all right here we go all right everybody ready all right I hope so I'm not ready so I'm glad you're all confident all right here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter eleven now once we turn to First Corinthians we know we're writing to a church that is located where. In a city, and the, what is happening? The city is influencing the church more than the church is influencing the city. And the church has got, would we say, problems? Hey, right, we've, we've got trouble right here in the city of Corinth, right? Okay, I didn't. Music man, okay, you got it, got it, got it, okay, got it. Okay, Bob got it, Bob got it, knew what I was going with. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. Here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. Here we go. And verses 1, uh, verses 1 through 16 deals with what controversial subject? 
1 Corinthians 11, verses 1 through 17, 16. Remember all those years we, we worked through this? Deals with the head covering controversy, right? Has anyone ever figured out an agreement on that? Not even a clue. Not even a clue. All right? Nobody knows. All right? Nobody knows. All right? We won't even get into that never-ending discussion. Yes? I mean, it's, it's in some reform circles. It's just, yeah. Some viral YouTube series is going around about it again. And it's like, there's always someone comes out and it's, it's never-ending. Okay. I don't even like arguing about it at some point. But okay. The next part is, and, and to me, the reason... In some reason, I guess maybe the reason I'm not as interested in verses 1 through 16 is because no one dies for having the wrong view of head covering. But in the next section, someone dies. So what always confuses me is why are people not more passionate about the Lord's Supper than they are head coverings? Because the Lord's Supper, people are die. That, that to me is a concerning thing, right? If people could die, it's like, what are you worried about? Head covering? No, Lord's Supper. Right? Just, just, from a very, just from a practical standpoint. So here we go. Verse 17. Now in this, that I declare unto you, I praise you not. That you come together not for the better, but for the worse. All right. Now this is his introduction to a discussion about the Lord's Supper. Right? We already know that because I'm not, I'm not going to walk through it like we don't know what he's getting ready to say. We all know what he's getting ready to say. All right. So I'm just going to kind of give that away instead of working through this like I would prefer to work through it because I like to just like, okay, so what is he getting ready to talk about? But we all know what he's talking about. Yes, he is upset with the church because whenever they come together for the Lord's Supper. (laughs) They're worse off. They're worse off. They're like, like that's that's a bad situation. Right. And, and, And there's a lot of I mean. I think that we could have a, we, we could almost use this to have a discussion about all the ways Christians are worse off for coming to church than being better off. And there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of problems with the church being detrimental, but we could, with, in this particular case, he's referring to one. And that's the Lord's Supper. So that would be concerning for any believer who goes to church that serves the Lord's Supper, everyone should be like, well, the last thing I want to be is a church that has the Lord's Supper where people leave worse off than when they arrived. Every, every Christian should have that concern, right? Either, either Paul meant that or he didn't mean it. And since it's in Scripture, we're going to assume he meant it. And not only did he mean it, we would assume that it was an accurate description that the people at the church of Corinth came to church, came together, and were worse off than they were before they arrived. Now, what, what, what went wrong? Verse 18. For first of all, so he's going to give us what, what went wrong here. When you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you. And I partly believe it. All right, first problem is they come together, right? But they don't really come together. They are together in what way? Physically, but in what way are they not together? Spiritually. They're not together maybe in love. They're not in agreement. There is a division. 
right? Which is, look, this is the problem in so many churches. A lot of people come together, but they are divided. They don't agree on this. They don't agree on that, which is just so maddening because once again, this just demonstrates to me so many basic doctrinal truths. Obviously, God is not leading us into all truth because if, there w- if we were, we would all agree, but we don't. Yeah, and, it's just, and not only that, we just can't seem to get along about anything, but they, they can't get along, all right? So there's, there's a problem, right? Next, for there must be also heresies, is the King James word, heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. How does the NIV translate this? Nineteen. All right, differences among you is the word that is used. What is the Greek word here that's translated heresies? What is the Greek word? Anybody want to look it up? Okay. Yeah, like a sect. Yeah, like a different sect, a different group. What's the Greek word there? You don't, have to, you don't have to say it. Well, uh, well, what does it mean? What's the meaning of the word? If you, you don't have to say the word. Choice? A party? Disunion? Factions? Okay, all right. So, no, now, when we think heresy, we think of what? Like a false teaching. But in this particular case, the heresies is thinking of it this way. It's, it's different groups. But it's different groups. And most likely these groups are, are you ready for the word? Are identified by what? What do, what do you think some of these groups in, in Corinth could be identified by? We, we, we should know one of the issues because we talked about, well, I mean, well, I mean, I know you probably don't remember. Different teachers. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos, everybody remember that? So on one hand, these groups can be identified by a teacher. So whatever teacher says here, that's me. Whatever teacher says this is about me, okay? That's always bad to be identified by a teacher, right? Because what happens when people are identified by a teacher? They may not critically think, but if you criticize said teacher, oh, just know, I do a sermon review over, say, on MacArthur, so I'm how dare you? Oh, no. Okay, the Pope. I, I, I went after the Pope. I was supposed to go after the Pope. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I thought the Pope was in Rome. I didn't know he was in California. Okay, all right. But you get the idea. That's the way. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. We, we know we don't, no one criticizes Sarah, right? Because what happens, okay? Right? Okay, we get excommunicated. All right. But you see, that, that's, they're identified there. What else is another way that can be identified? There's by teacher. What's another way? By teaching or by doctrine or by... They're identified by that identified by that. Now again, what happens when your identity is a doctrinal system? I think what Sarah said earlier still sticks. Sometimes we don't think critically about our own system. And we're very sensitive. We're very sensitive. Hey, I hold the lordship. Don't you dare challenge that. It's my baby. It's my, it's my little fluffy. Don't you dare get near it. Okay? Well, 
That's the pro- the, the issue there, it doesn't even become about truth. It's like, why are you clinging in your identity as a doctrinal system? Your identity should be, I, you should, I don't even think you should have an identity other than Christ. Just pursue what? Truth. And if your doctrinal system gets challenged, what should be your approach to it? Doesn't matter to me. Doesn't hurt me. Right? If Emma, when I'm done with this, comes up and says, hey, your interpretation of 1 Corinthians 11 is completely wrong. Well, that I may disagree, but it's about, we're fighting about, as long as we're fighting about the interpretation, then we're just fighting about the interpretation. The problem is, for everyone, is now that interpretation becomes our identity, and then we take it very personally. And then that's when everything goes haywire and wrong. Does that make sense? All right, so there's, there's divisions, there's groups, they're, they're broken into factions. All right, verse 20. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Oh, boy. Okay, wait. So they're coming together, but it's not to eat the Lord's Supper. So then what are they coming together for? Now, this is a situation where it appears where Christians can get together to do something, but they're not actually doing something. I'll give you an example. A lot of people think small groups are about growing and biblical knowledge and doctrine and theology, but a lot of times what I would say is you don't come together to grow in doctrine and Bible. You're coming together for a social function. People will get together for a potluck to eat food and talk about the weather or their grandkids or the wind or whatever they want to talk about and then say that it is fellowship. Like some, something spiritual is happening. I said it just saying, you're coming together to eat food. It's okay to say, we're going to get together and eat food. Just don't make it spiritual. Well, they're coming together saying, we're going to do the Lord's Supper. And Paul's like, no, you're not. So what are they doing? Why? Well, why are they not taking the really partaking of the Lord's Supper? What's going on here? Well, verse 21, For in eating, everyone taketh before the other his own supper. Now stop right here. Immediately we know something's going on, right? Does that give us a little clue? Does that give you like, wait, well, what's happening here? The Lord's Supper, that's just the bread and the, and the wine or the juice, Right? So what, what do you mean they're, they're having their own supper? Like, what, what's going on here? What's happening? He's giving us a clue, and we know something has happened, right? What has happened? What, what, what has happened here? Agape feast. They've added a feast to it, right? It's going to be like when they eat some food and have the Lord's Supper, and Paul is like, whoa, whoa, you're getting together, and you're not even worried about the Lord's Supper. You're worried about what? Getting fed. So what happens? It says, go, go through it. Okay, so not only are they grabbing food, in other words, they're focused on their own, right? So this one is like, oh man, oh look, 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 look. They, they, got, they got fried chicken. I'm going to grab mine, right? I'm going to grab mine. And then Austin shows up. I'm like, where's the chicken? What? What, did, what happened? I'm not worried about you. In fact, well, I, may not have, I may not be worried about her because she's the wrong faction. She's the wrong team. Right? I grabbed the whole thing of fried chicken to give it to my team. 
I mean, I mean, you can see why that would carry on because they just talked about the division, right? So now, and now what else has happened? Someone's going hungry. Yeah, (laughs) someone's not going thirsty because the next one is drunken. Someone's drunk. That's insane. I mean, like, like if you, in our American way of thinking about Christianity, this sounds like an insane situation, right? Like you literally, like, and it's just amazing because in, in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul refers to these people as believers. You think at this point, if you go with some people's theology, what he, what should he do here? None of you are saved. You failed the lordship test. Get out. That, but, right? I mean, when people are getting drunk, I mean, come on, just, I, 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 we, it's like we can't even wrap our minds around this, right? If, if you walked into church and all of a sudden someone pulled out, they have a cooler and they just set a cooler down and they just start drinking during the church service and they're getting drunk, you would be like, oh, we got to get out of this. What is going on? This is not appropriate in God's house, right? We would get all sanctimonious and, and religious all of a sudden, right? What, they're getting drunk. What well, are supposed to be doing the Lord's Supper? Now, what's Paul's solution here? His solution is almost brilliant here. Now, nobody believes in this solution, but what's his solution? Next verse. What verse are we on? 22. What's the next verse? Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? What's his, what is he saying? separate, you're shoving food down your throat from God's house. Go eat and go drink at home. That seems reasonable to me, right? A lot of people completely disagree with my perspective on this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a whole bunch of problems here. Hungry, yeah. But they're just, just a major mess. But his solution to me is just so simple because it's just like, look, what, what, what does he want them to understand? By their actions, they are despising what, according to the verse? The house of God. They had turned the house of God into a place not for that which is spiritual, but that which is fleshly, which fits with the whole problem going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, which he calls them what? Carnal. And their carnality is revealing itself because they had turned the church into a place of carnality. And Paul is like, just go home and do that. And I've never understood why people want the church to satisfy our fleshly desire. I don't understand. You can come here and I can give you food, but what you don't need to come here to get food. If you're driving from Abilene, you drive past 5,222 fast food restaurants, you're good to go. You got DoorDash on your phone. You don't need me to give you food. Right? That's the last thing you need. Go home and eat. The the problem is their carnality had destroyed everything in the church, and the church had turned into a free-for-all. So he's like, we got to get, so therefore you're not coming for the Lord's Supper. You're pretending you're here for the Lord's Supper, but what were they really there for? The potluck. 
Why do some people go to small group? They're not there for scripture. They're for, they're for the companionship, the friendship. The, but but they'll, they'll try to spiritualize that. It's fellowship. You just tell me you just need friends, man. Just, okay, just, 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 just tell me you can't live without people, okay? It's okay. Just be honest. So, so we understand that there's something messed up going on here, right? So far, so good. All right? Solution. Go. And then he says, what does he say here? What, have you not houses to eat and to drink in, or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. Now, here we go. All right? Here comes the focus. That's just the context. For I have received of the Lord that which also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup, which he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink in remembrance of me. Now stop right here. So, he's, he's clearly articulated what they're doing wrong. Yes? Tells them to t- separate their fleshly desire for food outside of the church. And then what does he reestablishes here? That what we're supposed to do is what Christ tells us to do. We're not supposed to be changing it up. He gives us specific instructions, right? We're to take the bread, we're to take the cup. And why, and why do we do this? In remembrance of him. So what should be the focus? Him, not us. So far, that seems very good. Now, verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do shew or show the Lord's death till he come. Now, you may want to really focus on that verse here. All right, now, before we get to this verse, Leading up to this point, what do we have? Do we have law or gospel? We have law in almost every aspect of it because it's telling us to do something, do something, do something, do something, do something. Where would be the first entrance of gospel in this section? Right before this verse. It happens before this verse. Okay. In remembrance of me. That we are doing this, but we're doing so to remember what Christ has done for us. We're just remembering what he has done for us. We're remembering what, uh, we, all the laws obviously don't do this, do this, hey, get, t- take that at home, you're getting drunk. Law, law, law. Condemnation, condemnation, condemnation. But remember that the Lord's Supper is to remind you what Christ has done for you. And then what do we demonstrate in the Lord's Supper? His death. Does everybody see that? You do shew the Lord's death till he come. Meaning we continue to do this until he returns. And what are we demonstrating? We're demonstrating what Christ has done for us. All right, so now we have a little bit of the gospel. This is very important. Next verse. Wherefore? Uh-oh. Here we go. Whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily 
shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Now we go from their problem to the solution to the correct way of doing things. I'm not trying to give you a direct outline. right? And then what does he do here? Here's the warning. The first of the warning section. And what is the warning? We have to avoid doing what? Uh, eating and drinking unworthily. The, King, uh, the NIV uses what word? Uh, unworthy. unworthy. Okay. What's the Greek word there for unworthy? Or unworthily, as the King James puts it. You don't have to give me the Greek word. Just give me the meaning of the word. Twenty-seven, right? Irreverent, irreverently, okay, or unworthily, right? What does it mean to be irreverent? What does it mean to be irreverent? You think? You can look up the English word for irreverent. What do you think irreverent means? Oh, a lack of respect. Okay, this is interesting. Now. This is why this is important, and here's where I have made my mistakes in the past, and I think a blurring of law and gospel. I was taught, especially in the lordship way, that how do you take it unworthily? And a lordship way of thinking, how do we take it unworthily? Ah, yes. Based on what you have or haven't done this week, what sins you are committing or not committing. And typically, so if you're going to take it in an unworthy way, you better not be involved in this sin, 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 this sin. And what we typically do, though, we know what we do, and I did it, we've all done it, we reduce the unworthy acts to what? The big sin! The big sin! Right? Well, I mean, come on, don't we? Right? The big ones. Right? Have you sold drugs? Have you had an abortion? Are you homosexual? Right? Hey, that's not the big one. The, the, the husband may not have loved his wife as Christ loved the church all week. No big deal. The wife may have not, couldn't even spell submission, much less do it. No big deal. Right? Okay. Do what? You're, I mean, your medicine no longer allows you to be submissive, okay? Right? Okay, you can't even spell it, okay? Okay. okay. Yeah, I understand, okay. So, but the point is, is there's all these other sins that everyone in the church is sitting there committed. And, and, and what, here's what's even more messed up. We may not have committed the act, but we may have committed the sin 50,000 ways in our mind, but convince ourselves because I didn't commit the act, that I'm worthy. However, that Jesus would have condemned us for the, I mean, the thought. And we all sit there saying, well, I'm worthy, I'm worthy, I'm worthy, I'm worthy, I'm worthy. Now, I, 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 I was wrong. I was just wrong. I was just wrong. And I think I was wrong textually, but let's look at why I think I was wrong textually. Go back to the verse that I think is the key verse told you like this is the important verse 
What do we do when we take the Lord's Supper? We show the Lord's death. What verse is that? 26. I, want, I cannot stress this. I want everyone to focus on 26. All right? I, have, I know on some of these people online are going to be like, well, you should have just spent more time on this Greek word or this Greek word. I didn't want to get it. I just wanted you to tell me the meaning of the word and just move on and not get all uh, caught up in on a Greek lesson. Okay? We, can, we can go back through it at a different time. All right. So the, the, what we're doing in the Lord's Supper is showing his death. Right? We're proclaiming his death. And so somehow they were doing so, they were partaking of this action in an unworthy manner. So the unworthiness has to be something with what? They're not showing his death. Right? They're doing so, what was the, the Strong's definition gave the idea of an irreverent way? They were being disrespectful. They were not focusing on the Lord. What were they focusing on? Food. Their food. They were not focused on Christ. Where, where, how are we made worthy? In Christ. If I remove Christ from it, then all I'm doing is focusing on me. This is not like, well, hey, the, did you pass MacArthur's checklist this week? No, this is, you're just completely eliminating Christ from the, from the whole thing. You're skipping Him. The, what makes us worthy? The blood of Christ. His death. His righteousness. If, you, if that gets thrown out of it, then we're, we're, we're in trouble. But well, let's see. Let's, let's go a little further. Right? Verse 28. Oh boy, this is like the, this is like a key verse in lordship salvation, right? I bet you I could find it in MacArthur's book in a couple of seconds. What does it say? But let a man examine himself. Next words. We got to examine ourselves. Now, what are we supposed to be examining ourselves about? How is this typically taught? What are we examining? We examine our sins. Did I do this? 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 And what do we typically look for? The big ones. The big ones. Now, obviously, I'm not saying it's ever wrong to examine yourself and see the sins that you're committed. I'm not saying that it's wrong. But in this context, what am I supposed to be examining in the, in the, in the context? Am I really putting the focus on Christ's death? Is my focus on Him? Am I remembering Him? Am I looking to Him? I'm examining to see, am I looking to Christ, not looking to myself? What we, what I inadvertently did is turn the Lord's Supper. I did this. I'm guilty of this, not you guys. I'm guilty of this. I made it about us. Because I had us look at us. Now, I hope I tried my best, obviously, to, 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 to say that we're remembering his death. But, I, but in an inadvertent way, not, not on purpose, I, I made it about us. It's about your sin. Look at your sin. Look at your sin. Confess your sin. Confess your sin. And it became more about us than about Christ. It became more about law than it did gospel. The Lord's Supper is the, the, the high point of gospel. 
Because we are remembering what he did for me. I'm not supposed to be focusing on what I failed to do for him. And, and a part of this led me, because we've always been, I've always, we've not done the Lord's Supper that frequently because I've always been scared to death of it. I'm just going to be honest. I'm scared to death of it. And, and, and people, and, and, and I, I, it blows my mind how Christians are like, the word of God is true. And we take it literal in this church. And then they take the Lord's Supper every week. And I'm like, what in the world are you doing? Because we know what happens to the people who partake of it in an unworthy manner here. They get sick and die. I take that literally. If people get sick and die, maybe I thought too little of myself, but I know that, hey, you know, the last thing I need to do is keep taking the Lord's Supper because they're going to know really quick how sinful I am because I'm going to drop dead. And not only that, I'm going to figure out how sinful you are when you start dropping dead because we're all unworthy in some way. And I can't remember who asked me the question a long time ago. Well, how can we ever be worthy? I don't know who asked the question and it didn't ring to me at that time. Well, I think it may have been Bo Jen. I don't remember who it was. But someone asked the, 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 the question and it was rather profound. Now, at the time, I tried to answer it more of like a MacArthur way, right? Well, you got to consider this. You got to consider this. And are, 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 do you really desire to this? And try to give the MacArthur view, Right. Well, guess what? If I was honest, we would, I would say, none of us are worthy. Nor ever will be. But I would just look at what? The big sins. That's, always, that's the go-to answer, right? That's the go-to answer. But it, it can't. Now, what else does he go on to say? Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Not discerning the Lord's body is the whole key here. What does it mean to not discern the Lord's body? The point is, now, within a Catholic or even maybe in a Lutheran setting where you believe it's a sacrament and believe Christ is present, either transubstantiation or consubstantiation, I think is the Lutheran term, where Christ is either present within the bread and the wine or it's transformed to literally his body and blood, however you, you want to approach that. Some people think that's what it's referring to. I think what it's referring to is this. You are either partaking of it, focused on his death, his blood, or you've so approached it in such an irreverent way that he has been completely removed from it. And in this, his, this context, what have they done to do that? They turned the church into what? Potluck night. Potluck night. And what was the focus of the potluck? Eating not on the Lord's body. Now you say, well, what's the correlation to us? Well, we can come and not be, once again, make the focus on us and not on him. And they eat damnation to themselves. Well, they will eat damnation to yourself if you're not trusting in Christ as your Savior and not focused on his blood. You're just partaking in some food. Right? That's why we don't let children partake of it, right? I mean, a church that will hand the Lord's Supper to a child, is the, that is, 
Ooh, that's scary. It's scary enough to do it for a teenager. Only because we know how radically, you know, a teenager can think one way today and the next day, you know, who knows what, right? Because radically change is taking place. All we can do is do the best we can. But when they're young, you really got to be careful, right? Because they don't understand anything, right? And, and this is another reason why I will... I don't understand churches who don't practice closed communion. I do not understand churches who don't practice closed communion. Like, am I handing this stuff out? And I'm just supposed to just, I don't know. Do you go to a church like ours? What does that even mean? Do you know the person? I mean, I, I, you guys come to their church. Do I really know you? No. So it's already scary enough. The last thing I want to do is a stranger. I just say, do you go to a like-minded church? Like, I, I would have to be like, okay, I need to know the church. And not like, I would need to call the pastor to ensure, like, when you're just handing this stuff out, look, any church who just hands this, the stuff out like that, I'm sorry, I, 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 I don't care who gets offended. You want to go to that nonsense, you go to that nonsense. But that, I do not understand how you can do that and tell me you believe that this is literal. Either, either you believe people... They eat damnation to themselves. Does that not scare you? If, that, if the death doesn't scare you, if the sickness doesn't scare you, the damnation surely should scare you, no matter how you understand the word. I, I've, I've always been blown away how, like, it's, it's the conservative churches who usually be like, the Bible is literal. And then, well, it's, all of a sudden it becomes very not literal here. Shouldn't this scare everyone to death? Now, I used to be scared to death because I believed it was dependent upon our action. Now I'm not as scared to death about it as much as I used to be because now I know that it's dependent upon Christ's action. And as long as someone trusting in his work, they recognize Christ's death and burial, they, they're recognizing Christ's work for on their behalf, then I'm not as concerned. Does that make sense? I am concerned that, though I'm, not, I'm still not going to give it to someone unless I have some sense of, are, are you trusting in him? Are you trusting in that finished work? Because if you're not, and if you're not discerning his body, and if you're not part- looking to that, then you're in serious trouble. Because without Christ, what's the, con- what's the end for all of us if we're not trusting in Christ? Damnation. Discerning the body. What do you mean discerning the body? What is the word discerning there? Look up the Greek word for discerning. What's the word for discerning? What? All right. It's to it's to to draw a distinction from it versus something else. It's to show the difference. You're making sure that you're discerning it as something different than everything else, right? The Lord's body is different than anything else. You are discerning, you are seeing, you are recognizing the sacrificial nature of the work of Jesus Christ on your behalf. 
If a person doesn't see that, then they're going to be in an unworthy situation and, well, bad things happen. And again, I'm just perplexed how churches have, because look what happens. This is, this is so frightening to me. For this cause. What cause? What's the cause? For this cause. Eating unworthily. Not discerning the Lord's body. For those who do not discern the Lord's body, what happens? Many are weak. Sick. And many sleep. Meaning, they died. Now, when I, when I take the tray for the Lord's Supper... That is, do you understand how, from a pastor perspective how utterly scary that is? I'm going to hand you something that has the potential to make you sick, weak, or die. I'm sorry, I don't want to hand it out. Now, you can see where my theology would have led me to grave concern. Because, what was, because we understood the worthy to be What? ourselves being worthy by what we do and don't do. Now, yes, I would say that we have to confess it and repent of it. And I, you know, I would try to give the right, I would try to give a balance. I would try, okay, so I don't want to, I don't want to tell the story like, you know, I completely obliterated it, but at the same time, I still feel really guilty because MacArthur's theology was so built into my brain, right? This is, this is the test of lordship salvation right here, Right? This is how you know. Are you, are you truly loving God the way you're supposed to? Are you truly surrendered to Christ? And we're all supposed to give some kind of an affirmative answer. That we, but what we should have been saying is, what are you talking about? Nobody's worthy. Well, how do I become worthy? The body of Christ. The, the blood of Christ. That's your only hope. That's your only hope. What do you bring to the Lord's table? Sin. What do you receive at the Lord's table? A reminder of his body. Now, if someone was getting ready to say grace, you're, you're going sacramental on me and you're about, I was going to declare you to become a Lutheran or a Catholic. Okay. Does, does, everyone does understand that, right? In a, in a sacramental church, what do you receive at the Lord's Supper? Forgiveness of sins. Grace. It's, it's, it's a means of grace. That's why we don't use the word sacrament. Like, oh yeah. Sometimes I'm blown away with people. Like, I have friends in Nebraska who go to a church, clearly not Catholic, clearly not Lutheran, and they refer to the ordinances as sacraments, and I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, your church believes in sacraments? They're like, well, you know, like the Lord's Supper. I'm like, no, I don't know what you're talking about, because a sacrament means you believe it's a means of grace. Are you out of your mind? Like, have a... We've got to get our theology right. We don't believe in sacraments because sacraments would mean it's a means of grace. I wish it, I mean, it would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Like, you get baptized and boom, like it does the work, you know? All right, so yeah, we believe in an ordinance. And what do we mean by an ordinance? Christ ordained it. He declared it to happen. But he does so to symbolize or to picture something or to remind us of something, right? Okay, so what is the Lord's Supper to remind me of? Christ's death. So what do I bring to the table? Sin. And what am I provided? A reminder of my only solution for it, which isn't the Lord's Supper. It's Christ and his, his perfect work. Does that make sense? Right, so 
No using the word sacrament, okay? No using the word sacrament. No, 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 no. All right, now, next verse. Oh, we're going to run out of time. Yeah, we're running out of time quickly, all right? For if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another, and if any man hunger, let him eat at home. And ye come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. In other words, go home and eat, and what do you come here to do? To remember the Lord's body. To remember the Lord's body. To remember the Lord's body. All right? So, we all approach the table what way? Unworthy. No matter how good you think you've been, you're unworthy. What is your only hope? The body of Christ. And what does it mean to discern his body? Is to buy. You are discerning that his sacrifice was for whom? For me. And your hope is only in it. That is what you're trusting. If you think that you're going to come here and be worthy because you haven't committed a lot of sins this week, we, are, we all lied to ourselves. If you ever believe that, I lied to myself because none of us was ever worthy. Ever. But in Christ, I am perfectly worthy because I'm covered in the blood of Christ. So here's what we'll do. We'll end the, the, the online portion, the message, and then we'll do the Lord's Supper really quick uh, as a group. All right? Does that make sense? So let's, uh, let's pray, and then we will uh, partake of the Lord's Supper. Lord God, we come before you uh, this evening. If there's any... I, 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 don't under, I don't know what to say, Lord, other than to say that I'm unworthy, we're all unworthy, and our only hope is in the finished work of your Son. And this, the Lord's Supper was referred to as the Eucharist in times past, which means Thanksgiving. And there's no better time to partake of the Lord's table than, well, Thanksgiving, as we can be thankful for what your Son did for us. And I pray that we would be thankful tonight as we partake. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said,